You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, back with another episode of from the rafters uh sam and i are joined by max letterman of nbc sports boss and how you doing today max i'm doing great how are you guys doing okay pretty good getting excited we have a fun week next week so yeah uh, finally some new stuff to talk about we don't have to completely dig for uh topics mm-hmm. and it's gonna be a fast you know before you know it, we're gonna be playing games every other day so it's it's pretty crazy the we're going to look back and be like, man, that one month we had off was actually kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> very true. Um, so we, obviously NBA draft coming up 18th, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the date. Uh, Sam and I are not known for our draft analysis. Uh, we don't sit not. here and lie that we know a ton about the prospects. But over the past few weeks, as stuff has been talked about, obviously, you learn as you go. Uh, do you have any favorite prospects coming out of the draft this year? Yeah, um, so it depends uh, at what range. But I'm thinking uh, I really like um, Neesmith from uh, – I can't even remember where he's from. Uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, that's right, yeah. I mean, he's just a, a lightning – or just a, a flamethrower shooter. Mm-hmm. And I just think uh, – he just feels like one of those guys that we're going to – in a couple of years we're going to look back, even after maybe his rookie year, look back and be like, why didn't he get drafted higher? Uh, he doesn't uh, – you know, he. I guess he's not a, a playmaker. Uh, you know, I. All right, that's fine. You know, lots of players in the NBA that are very successful aren't. But if he can, you know, hit fifty percent of his threes in college, uh, that seems like a pretty good thing. And mm-hmm. uh, everybody needs shooting. And it just to me, when you're picking in the fourteen range, I mean, Ainge doesn't have a great track record like most GMs picking in that range. He's had yeah. some hits. He's had some misses. Uh, I wouldn't call him above average or below average. I'd say about league average there, um, you know, because you got the Terry Rozier's of the world, but you also got the Abacellis of the world there. So, um, but <laughs> love said, it. I think when you're picking in that range, just pick a guy that you know you can have locked onto a, a cost-controlled uh, rookie-scale contract that'll be a contributor, a positive contributor on your team uh, for that contract when you've got, you know, Tatum coming up for his max and you're already paying Jalen and Kemba. So, to me, that's... Uh, if you want a guy that can come in and maybe contribute his first year, but for sure, I just, there's the ceiling or the, uh, the floor is so high with him. I just feel like, uh, mm-hmm. he's a safe pick. No. Yeah, I agree. I, I wrote about him the other day. Uh, I'm nervous. It's going to be another Tyler Harrow situation where he goes 13, like right before it, it like almost identical, like, uh, like very similar prospects, but, uh, um, I, I like Naismith. I like Desmond Bain too. Another guy who can just shoot lights out. He's, he's big too. You know, he's like Grant Williams build almost, but, uh, Yes, Sam. Do you got anybody? Um, I mean, I I keep kind of saying like I'm interested, not saying I like trades because I don't like trades. <laughs> but if they were to trade up, and this is kind of a segue because we also want to talk about trade rumors we've seen. You know, to take a Kongwu, I did see a quote yesterday where he was talking about like he he sounded excited by the possibility of playing for the Celtics, and that's something I personally like. And any prospect, I mean, any prospect's probably excited to be drafted, but I don't know. 
he's not worried about like coming in and trying to earn minutes or whatever. He just, he says he can fit wherever they need him to fit, which is always what you want to hear. But as far as trades go, I wouldn't want them to, I, you know, I hope they don't trade before the draft just because if he's not there, then I feel like it's a wasted trade because that other than that, I mean, what else do they want to trade up for that they can't get at 14 or whatever other picks they're going to pick them at, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh, I know that a lot of the rumors were that they were trying to trade up to get a higher pick to include in a trade for a player. Cause I do think that the Celtics are at a, uh, they're at a, an inflection point. This is the Memphis pick that we've been talking about for all these years. Uh, you know, there's no Kings pick. There's no Memphis pick. This is it. Uh, this is, you know, the end of that string of trades that Danny made uh, at the end of the big three era uh, coming to fruition. And it, it is, you know, Chris Mannix was on our draft preview show uh, the other night on NBC sports Boston. And he, uh, he brought up a really good point. He's like, this needs to be a home run or at least just a double get on base, you know, uh, get into scoring position because uh, you can't have any whiffs here. You know, we'll see about Romeo, but you, this is, there's not a lot of opportunity for free agency in the future for the Celtics. Uh, and, you know, they have a lot of young players that you, you could in theory trade, but I don't know how much value they have because they're not really going to play on a team as good as the Celtics. So I think you really got to get, you have to get a, you have to acquire a player, whether it's via, whether it's a veteran that you use the picks to trade for, or it's a guy that actually ends up panning out. Um, that can contribute because you're not going to have a ton of opportunities moving forward. Your picks are going to be in the mid to high twenties, you know, for the foreseeable future. Uh, and so unless he makes other big trades, which he probably will. Uh, but as of right now, you know, the coffers are empty after this year. So you got to bring in a contributor. Uh, this team is, you know, they're, they're right there. They're knocking on the door. You know, a lot of people would say they should have made it to the, the finals this past year, but you know, absolutely. We all forget that you know they overachieved this year. The they did. Was kind of like ah, maybe fourth, third or fourth seed, get to the conference finals, and that's exactly what they did. So, uh, and I think they were a little bit better than people thought they were going to be. So, they're right there, and I think it's a really important week coming up, and uh, we'll see what they can do in free agency as well. You mentioned a trade for a veteran. Anybody that you've heard or you know heard from Mannix or anybody you have in mind that they would be uh, you know a good fit? Well, I mean the true. Hub. The Drew Holiday uh, rumor uh, that KOC threw out there um, was interesting to me because I think a lot of people assumed he would be coming into like in a trade with Kemba, and I don't view it that way. I think he's coming in to play with Kemba. I think he right. would be a perfect fit next to Kemba. He was playing off the ball a lot in New Orleans the last couple of years. They had Alfred Payton a few years ago, and then they had they brought in Lonzo Ball. So uh, he, you know, he's a point guard, but he's been playing two guard, and he's you know. He was first, or he was an all-defensive player a couple of years ago. He's a good defender. He's a good two-way guy, um, and it looks like his health issues are behind him. Uh, and I think he would just be, you know, because what was one of the main issues that we had with uh, the Celtics in the playoffs was just lack of depth at the guard position, uh, right? Scoring off the bench, and I think that when you bring in a, another starter, and I think that it would require uh, moving a, a Gordon Hayward, um, which you know, if he wants to leave, then maybe that's something they can uh, they can help him out with. I like Gordon. I think I think if they did nothing and they just drafted a player, I think they would be fine. Um, right, I agree. As, they, as long as they address the bench, uh, just like a scorer. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, everyone's like they need a Lou Williams type. Well, I don't know. Those guys are kind of hard to find. but And you can't really draft those. I know a lot of people said last year, uh, you know, Carson Edwards can play the Lou Williams role. I'm like, great. You know, uh, I'm a Sixers fan. Uh, they drafted Lou Williams when he was a teenager. 
and he was not the Lou Williams that we know until like three teens later. So uh, you don't draft a, a kid who's been an alpha his entire life, just absolutely dominating the ball, the starter, the main guy on his team, and just expect him to easily come into the NBA and play that six-man role, score off the bench. You know, I don't know what the future is for Carson Edwards. I just know that you can't bank on a rookie being able to do that um, usually. So, you know, I think a Tyler Hero or even a, a Duncan Robinson type, you know, player, they were able to do something like that. Um, but that's rare. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not, you know, easy to find Lou Will out the draft. But uh, I think Carson will be fine. I think, like you said, he was just so used to being the guy at Purdue. I mean, what, he got, like, easily the majority of the touches there. He scored over 20 a night and transitioning into a role where he's getting maybe a few shots a game. It's, it, it's a huge difference. But uh, you mentioned Gordon Hayward being in a trade for Drew Holiday. Um, do you think that the deal, because this is something I think that's been thrown around, could possibly be a three-team trade with Indy, send Gordon there, Miles Turner here, Andrew Holiday here, and some something like that. I've seen that rumor uh, a few places. How do you think a deal like that would go down, or do you think it was would be possible? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would need to – we'd have to see what the other pieces were. Um, I know that you know, a lot of Celtics fans are split on Miles Turner, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have a great handle on it. Uh, he led the league in block shots a couple years ago, but um, apparently he's bad at defense. Um, because block shots are not uh, an indicator of a, a great defender necessarily. Um, I just know that he he has issues rebounding. Uh, you know, to me, it's like we're asking for like the and he's not the similar players Al Horford, but I just remember the the anger surrounding Al Horford not getting ten rebounds every night. I mean, you're going to bring in a seven footer who can shoot threes. That's not going to re- he's going to rebound. You get six rebounds a game. Um, but yeah, I, look, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't bank on that being possible if you're just moving Gordon Hayward and you're bringing in two pieces like that. I don't think they really need to do a ton. They they do need another big. I I, I agree with you, but I you know I I don't think it's going to be a uh, trade Gordon Hayward and get back these two. You know, fix both of your problems with the bench uh, or with a you know guard depth and a, a big. So uh, you know, we'll see if if Indy's interested in moving uh, Miles Turner. I don't know if they would just be straight up for Gordon Hayward. I'm not sure what Miles Turner's contract is. I think it's it's much less than Gordon's. It's like 17 and a half, 18 million. And then you're getting into the Marcus Smart needs to be included because he's the only guy on the team that makes mm-hmm. that money that would make up that space there. Uh, and I'm not playing. Yeah, that. absolutely not. <laughs> now, look, Marcus is tradable for sure uh, in the right deal. It is not for a Miles Turner. No. It would have to be, be a remarkable deal. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. he's too important. I mean. And I don't think exactly. he has the kind of value to other teams as he does for the Celtics. It's like when uh, when the Sixers were in the lottery in uh, twenty, I think it was twenty twelve. Uh, I'm sorry if it was it was twenty eleven. I can't remember. Maybe it was twenty ten. I don't know. Whatever year John Ball was drafted number one, <laughs> we had already oh, had Drew Holiday on the team. And I remember watching the lottery. And we got the second pick, and my brother and I were upset because we wanted John Wall. But then we were like, you know. Drew Holiday wouldn't have retained the same amount of value to other teams because we watched him every game and we knew his his promise. But, you know, it would have been harder to move him for value than, uh, you know, if they had gotten that first pick and gotten John Wall. So, you know, you can kind of argue the same thing with Marcus Smart. I think he's more valuable to the Celtics than he's perceived around the league. Uh, you know, maybe GMs are, you know, a lot smarter these days. You know, they still make stupid trades, but... Uh, 
you know, teams will look at the shooting percentages and stuff. And unless you watch every single game like we do, it's it's hard to see the value sometimes in a guy like Marcus Smart. But he doesn't show up on the box score. Uh, in fact, his box scores often look quite bad. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, he ends up. But you watch the game, you're like, yeah, his box score looks terrible. But he's the reason they won the game. You know, a lot of times. So uh, I wouldn't mess around with trading Marcus, and, and like we said, unless it was for a star. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned like the value of Marcus Runley. I feel like not that I want to trade him, but I feel like his value might be higher now because he had a pretty great at least second round series against the Raptors. He was like a huge difference maker and you know that's on a big stage so everybody's watching that. So maybe, you know, GMs did get a feel for that, you know, every game we watch, we see what he does. It doesn't come up in the box score, but he even was having moments that did come up in the box score. Obviously like the five threes, big block on Norman Powell. Like, things like that. But I'm really not interested in trading Marcus. One thing Jack has brought up multiple times is that uh, the number two pick for Marcus, like, from Golden State. Yeah, that's an old Something like that. And I I don't like it because, like, you're trading Marcus, who is someone that is so rare, in my opinion. You know, his defense, his hustle, like you say, doesn't come up in the box score. And then you've got an unproven rookie that hasn't even played a game yet and only played half a college season. So... Right. That's another thing that makes this draft interesting. I feel like the later picks might even be more valuable because he, nobody knows exactly what's there as much as they normally would. Jack, right. can you say there were mock drafts that, uh, like, they, they're just all shuffled up? Like, yeah, after, I like, saw a certain I pick, think it was like, like a no Keith order. Smith tweet that said, yeah, there's about, like, 30 guys in this draft projected anywhere from 14, 15 to 45. Like, anybody yeah. can go anywhere. The top of the draft isn't great, so... Like, the bottom of the draft has depth. I, I don't know. It's just a very well, weird I, draft. There's no Zion. There's no jaw. I'll tell you what. And it's also be, – I think the uh, – oh, sorry. My cat. Get away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I think the uh, – what's crazy about the the uh, dra- the season being so short for college is that um, I think it might benefit some of the older players who teams just have a better feel of. They saw them in previous seasons. Uh, and usually we have that influx of freshmen that we have – and. James Wiseman, it was even before any coronavirus stuff. He just, you know, he only played a couple games uh, and then was done. And then you got, a, you know, the LaMelo Ball who didn't even play in college and, you know, the RJ Hamptons of the world. So there's a lot of guys that you just don't have, like, really good comparable tape on. So I think it may be, uh, you know, it may come down to the guys that are a little bit older are, are overvalued or there's just they're just safer. And I'm, look, I'm all for... When you're early, it's, and it really depends on where your team is, you know, taking the uh, the swing at a guy like a Romeo Langford, uh, who's just a freshman, you know, who's got a lot of promise, got physical attributes and stuff like that, versus taking just the solid, like what the Sixers did last year. They took a four, uh, well, Celtics drafted him, Matisse Thibel. Um, but they took a four-year guy uh, who was old, who's like, you, you don't see a lot of progression from guys that age. Uh, they don't add a ton to their game. They don't have uh, the necessary upside that a freshman would have. But he came in and he played a role. Uh, and when you're a team in a situation like the Celtics are, you need guys like that. They took a guy like Grant Williams, who was, uh, you know, I think he can add some things to his game. But his body uh, is like I, his measurements were very similar to Draymond Green's. But Draymond Green, when he was in college, was a doughy. He was real, you know, he was a little bit chubby and he worked in his first couple of years in the NBA to, to improve his body. And that's why he was able to take the steps that the leaps that he took to go from a second rounder to, you know, defensive player of the year 
uh, and so important. Get out of here. Sorry, my cat. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, and, and I don't think Grant Williams has that kind of upside because he's got like a 0.2% body fat. He's just already incredibly jacked. So uh, I think he can add some, you know, flexibility and things like that. And I just, he's a good, I, I'm banking on a player like him getting better in little areas, but you're not going to see that come out of nowhere, all defensive, you know, breakthrough like a Draymond Green. No, yeah, I, I remember, <laughs> I'm laughing at the cat. Can we leave this in? <laughs> yeah, leave it here. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. Um, well, he's just trying to rub on me and my cords are right here. He's going to knock this whole situation down. It's going to be a disaster. Uh, it's so funny. Um, I forget who we had on the show that said this, but uh, they mentioned Grant Williams just came in the league and he's already like pretty much the player he's going to be, but that's also that a player that can play in the league for like 15. I think it might have been Sean Grandy. I'm not I've, positive. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a very smart thing. He might so. know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> but yeah, um, Grant's obviously great and he is going to play a role and I, I think that shooting uh cold streak we saw at the beginning of the year I think it was a little bit of a fluke I think that had to be some nerves because like obviously in the playoffs he shot great so yeah he was he was unbelievable in the playoffs he <laughs> shot like 60 percent or something like that ridiculous oh, and, uh, uh, and I think his his main issue needs he needs to uh be more strategic scoring down low because in college you could just overpower guys but he's too small he's absolutely too small to do that in the NBA um, but I, like I said, I bank on a kid like that getting better in those areas and, and learning uh, new tricks, maybe some more uh, better low post moves, um, because uh, he's a forward version of Marcus Smart uh, on the Celtics team. And I, agree, and I tell yeah. you, the one thing that popped, uh, which was so funny to me last summer in summer league uh, with Grant <laughs> Williams, he didn't put up big stats, but I just remember watching the game being like, Jesus, his uh, his screens are incredible. He's just like he's erasing defenders just standing in front of them and they're just melting away uh and i to see that in summer league was like one i just was like i can't believe i'm looking at for screens in summer league i'm usually we're just looking for dunks and you know anything to you know satisfy our need for basketball but i i remember just those screens really popped out and look he's already an elite screener uh for you know just having played one year in the nba I'm excited to see what he comes back with. We'll see with this offseason, you know, how much these guys can really add to their game. I think it seemed like the Celtics would be actually probably better suited if they didn't make a ton of changes because of that, because of the shortened offseason. So, uh, you know, teams like uh, like Philly are going to really struggle if they make uh, wholesale changes, or which they're probably going to try to do. Not wholesale, but they're going to try to move a couple starters or at least one. Al Horford, I don't know if he's a starter or not. Uh, you know, but teams that are making big changes like this are going to be at a disadvantage for a significant portion of the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I know Sam's always a big guy that says do nothing because you, you know what you get with the guys on your team, so there's no point in Well, not that. even that, but especially now, like, you've got yeah. Romeo, who's a huge unknown because, I mean, he's, he's been hurt, but, like, when he was playing, he was, he was really solid, and he might fill some of the needs you need off the bench, especially scoring-wise. He can facilitate, get to the rim, um, defend. You know, defend really yeah, well. Defend Grant, who's improved. I I feel like we kind of got a feel for you know what kind of improvements we're going to see because there was like a mini off season in the middle of the season with the COVID and everything. You know, like we saw probably Grant improved quite a bit, especially his shooting. So I mean, we can I guess look forward to that. But and Tyler, no, the team. Too. Let's not forget yeah, about Robert Williams was incredible. 
That's who I was forgetting. Back, yeah. I was so impressed with him. I gave up on him after the hip injury. I was like, man, this guy's always hurt. Uh, he can never stay on the court. And everything that he needs to improve is minutes. He needs minutes, 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 minutes. And he's just not getting them because he's so injured all the time. And then he comes back and proves me so wrong. He didn't get any minutes during the COVID break, but was incredible in, in, you know, in the bubble. You know, right. for most of that uh, bubble uh, whole experience, he was really solid, really good. He's a difference think, maker, too. He wasn't just incredible. Like, he made an impact on the game. And I think that uh, it's just really tough for the Celtics because, in theory, he is exactly what you need. He is the kind of player that you need to uh, to improve your, your team if you're the Celtics. But can you count on him because of the injuries? And same with Romeo. I mean, Romeo, goodness gracious, every time he was on the court, he got hurt. And that matters because he was hurt in college, his uh, his one year there with his thumb. And then, I mean, he had like 17 different injuries with the Celtics. And that's a real problem because, again, these guys need minutes. And it's not a situation uh, where, it, you know, they can sacrifice wins for growth out of young players. They're ready to win. They're trying to win every game. They can't, you know, Brad does not uh, – he does not have a long leash with young guys, uh, especially young guys that struggle with defensive stuff. And uh, I know Romeo was, you know, a solid defender, and it was encouraging to see him get some early quarter minutes during the playoffs before getting hurt again. Um, but you know, that is that is something that in, throughout Brad's career, especially Jalen. I remember Jalen's rookie year. I mean, that guy got yanked so fast. I mean, so one mistake, you're on the bench for the rest of the game. Right. Look, it worked. For all the complaints that we have about Brad not trusting or playing young players, look how good the young players turn out. Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown. I mean, Jason Tatum played a ton, so we can't really use him. But uh, Marcus Smart, to an extent, I mean, he was already such a good defender. But I think that uh, there's a method to the madness with Brad. And the problem is if these guys aren't healthy, then when they do get pulled, that's like the last minutes they'll have in a month because they're going to get hurt. So uh, the health is the real question mark for me. And I think it's why... Uh, a Drew Holiday type trade is even in in the mix because they need to, uh, you know, they need to have some security there for if Kemba gets hurt again, you know, so that they're just not, you know, Marcus is fine as a spot starter, but he's way better off the bench. He's way better off the bench. So, uh, you know, and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Brad Wanamaker, but he was fine. He was really like in his role, he was great. He was like elite for his role. Uh, but then when you when you start playing in more minutes, that's when you get into trouble. So they right. really need to protect against uh, that kind of thing. And when you just it just seems like they have a lot of guys, especially some some key young pieces that just have the injury bug, and that's not a good omen. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Brown because that makes uh, the transition really easily. But um, a couple of trade rumors I've seen over the past week or so just throwing Jalen Brown in there for for seemingly no apparent reason, like. James Harden, I understand. Uh, we do another podcast called Within Heckling Distance. Our our, our uh, friends brought up. They said, "Oh, we should trade." Very different than this one. Yeah, they, they yeah. said we should trade Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and fourteen for Devin Booker, which doesn't make any sense to me because I don't think they're that far apart in talent. Uh, so, do you have any interest in trading Jalen at this point in time? Because I don't see it. No, no. And what you got to think about is again, uh, Kendrick Perkins made this point on one of our post game shows during the bubble. It was an incredibly funny segment. Uh, I'm pretty sure we have it posted. I'll I'll tweet it out if I can, uh, if I can track it down. But uh, 
he was talking, he was going through all the two guards in the league, and I actually got in his ear, and he made fun of me for bringing up Devin Booker, because he's like, who's better than Jalen Brown? And I would say Devin Booker is better than Jalen Brown. However, the context matters. It's not, we don't, well, it's not NBA 2K. We don't live in a vacuum here. You know, there's contracts, there's fit with the team. And Jalen Brown is the perfect number two or number three player for this Celtics team, because he does not need plays called for him. He just runs the floor, he scores when there's an opportunity, and he just gets better every year. And he's a great, like, ambassador for the sport of basketball in the city like Boston. I think he he matters. I think that matters. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, I've just been so blown away by everything I've seen from him since he was getting yanked his rookie year uh, to the growth he took his second year. Everyone thought he had a bad third year, but if you look at his per 36, now he just played less minutes. And I think the issues with Kyrie where Jalen was just ready to be a leader and he had nine guys on the team that were, you know, veterans above him. Um, and they were all basically thrown out <laughs> before last season. And you just show, it just showed you what happened. I mean, he was a 20 point scorer all season, you know, Tatum started slowly and then, you know, took like eight different steps uh, throughout the year and became, <laughs> you know, a star, a real bona fide, you know, potential top 10 player. Uh, and Jalen, you know, I think when we start to see the top 100 list come out, I mean, God, I don't even remember where he was the previous years, probably in the 60s or 70s. He was below smart. He was like wor- rated worse than the Marcus Smart, which I'm not, no, no rag on Marcus Smart. But like at this point, come on. Right. And that's those days are over. It's going to be I would say he's probably, you know, 30s is probably his floor at this point. He's, mm-hmm. he's moved into that borderline all star because uh, he's just so incredibly solid. I mean, so solid, 20 points. I remember we, we started doing gambling segments while we were in the bubble um, for our pregame show. Mm-hmm. And every time I saw his over-under at like 18 and a half, I was like, we have to talk about this. Because mm-hmm. the man hasn't scored under 19 points in like 10 straight games. You know, it's, <laughs> he's incredibly consistent. Uh, he doesn't need, you know, if he's asked to carry a team, I think that's when you'd be um, maybe getting into a little bit of trouble, but you're not. You're just asking him to play you know, Robin to Tatum's Batman, and it's perfect. And when you bring in a player, if you're going to bring in a player like Booker, uh, who knows how that's going to work? Maybe it mm-hmm. would, but I just, and you know, for the, the cost difference too, I mean, Jalen's contract, when he signed that, I remember being like, man, that's a good deal for him. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was terrible for the Celtics, but I was like, that's, you know, I'm surprised that he signed that. And I'm surprised that the Celtics signed that. And now it looks like a bargain again. Like, oh, it's a steal. Yeah. Once again, with like the Avery Bradley, the Jay Crowder type, where it's just like he's smart about when he signs guys before, uh, you know, to those extensions. Remember, he hadn't signed a rookie to uh, an extension since Rondo. So it was like it was a big deal that he did that. Um, and I just, man, it, it, Jalen, again, is tradable. I think Tatum is probably the only player that's not tradable, but even he would be like had for, you know, I don't know, Giannis or something. But, uh, Maybe. I don't know. At this point, maybe that's mm-hmm. not a thing. But Jalen can be had, but it needs to be for like a James Harden. Um, not for, you know, a Devin Booker, who I, I think if you're putting him next to each other, Devin Booker is a better player. However, mm-hmm. for the Celtics, he's not. He's definitely not. Right. Especially if you still have Kemba. I mean, that's going to be a pretty bad defensive backcourt. Um, and it's not a, a knock on Kemba. He's just, again, like Isaiah, he's just small. Uh, and he's light, so he's not going to be able to fight through all the screens, and teams can really target him, uh, and you need guys that can defend around him, and Devin Booker, I don't think, 
maybe he's a good defender. He just has never actually cared or tried. So uh, I would say no. Yeah. Uh, and again, Dan Booker's a ball a ball dominant guy. He's a volume shooter. He's good. He's really, really, really good. We saw it. We saw him score seventy points versus the Celtics uh, in a loss. But uh, it, it was kind of inflated too. He got a lot of free throws at the end. Yeah, it was a little gross. It was so, gross. But he, seventy he, seventy. He made he made up for it by just absolutely eviscerating Crowder on Instagram when Crowder commented. I've never <laughs> seen so many guys celebrate a loss, and he just replied like within seconds, "You can't guard me." <laughs> it was so good. Uh, but look, it. I respect Booker, um, mm. but I just think that Jalen, you're not trading Jalen uh, unless it's in a big, huge, like team, changing the face of a team. Because when when everyone was so upset about the Celtics not making the finals, I, you know, again, I keep going back to me being a Sixers fan here. It's just that, man, have some perspective. <laughs> great situation. Great situation. Uh, just such a class organization. Elite GM. You know, above average coach, if not better, uh, and two just thoroughbred studs that are twenty four and under, like oh twenty three and under, and it to me that are that you know once Tatum signs his contract are going to be locked up for the next five years. Mm-hmm. You know, Celtics fans should be very happy, and it, it like I said, you really need to convince me why you would want to screw that up. It would need to be something major, and again. As much as everyone wants to win a championship now, 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 you know, the Celtics do too, but they're not going to sacrifice years and years and years of two just studs uh, mm-hmm. for a, a short shot at one title. I mean, the Celtics are not about winning one championship. You know, they're about winning multiple championships. And, you know, even the big three era should have had more than one. You know, they yeah, had some bad injury issues uh, with Perkins and then KG in 09 and Perkins in 10. Uh, that kind of only that made it so that they only won one, but those guys were also in their thirties. These guys are young twenties, under their mid twenties, and have so much growth left. It's it's an incredibly enviable position. Credit to Ainge uh, for that Brooklyn trade, uh, and credit to making the right picks. Uh, the third pick overall, boy, there's been a lot of busts there, and he just knocked those right out of the park. Don't screw it up. Yeah, you've got me missing watching Celtics basketball now, man. I'm, um, I can't wait. It's it's closer than you think, but uh, Dude, I, know, uh, really quick, I track the what I call the golden stat is the you know the Jays twenty plus when the two guys when they both yeah. score twenty. It's getting harder and harder because almost every game now, but their win percentage uh, during the regular season they only lost once. It, they were like I think sixteen or seventeen and one when they both scored twenty. <laughs> it's like to me that's like man. I'm starting to tingle a little bit here. You know? yeah. <laughs> That's what, you know, Celtics fans should be going, like, frothing at the mouth when they see that. Those two <laughs> oh, studs, yeah. when they can't, you know, when they come, you know, together and score 20 plus, or when they, uh, when they assist each other's pat, uh, buckets, ooh, man, those should count mm-hmm. for extra. No, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. You, you bring up uh, James Harden, obviously, with Russell Westbrook wanting out and probably going to Charlotte, Detroit, or New York to, you know, make the eight seed and live there. Uh, James Harden said he's committed to Houston, but like at that point, why would Houston keep him? Because there, there's a, like if there's a cap on a team with Westbrook and Harden, there's a cap on a team with just Harden, and he's he's an amazing player, like generational talent. But like, I, I feel like they've got to explore options. You mentioned Jalen Brown. Would you throw Jalen Brown in a trade for James Harden, or would you just stay away and play for the future? I, I know my opinion. I'm pretty sure I know Sam's, but I mean, I think you'd have to. I think that. Uh... If that's what they wanted to do, it would change the whole makeup of the team. 
it would be interesting to see how hard because that whole offense was built like specifically around Harden, and it's not like the Celtics don't have a track record of doing that. The 16-17 season with Isaiah Thomas, that just amazing, phenomenal season. You know that whole offense was Isaiah. That was about Isaiah, uh, and so Brad has a track record of doing that. However, they have so many good players that I think that would you know be silly, um, and. Who knows how hard it would be, um, you know, playing with multiple guys that also need the ball. I mean, Tatum to me is your is your meal ticket. He's your your score, your alpha. You know, Harden is better than Tatum, but um, you know, it's not as much as it used to be. I mean, Harden is one of the greatest shooting guards in the history of the NBA. I mean, I that step back is impossible to defend. The problem is, uh, and we saw it a little bit with Tatum, is that. There are just games where guys miss shots. And if you don't have other guys out there, and if you don't have other ways to score other than just trying to get fouled and, and shooting step back threes, you're gonna you're gonna lose some games. And if that happens in the playoffs, you're not gonna make it far. And there's a reason that Harden has not made it uh very far in the playoffs. Uh and I think it's one, it's because he plays a ton. Uh and two, teams with him just they just tend to get uh it's why I always used to say like this was before uh, the Warriors won with Steph Curry, and he's a little bit different. It's like, you know, you can't win a championship in the modern NBA with your best players your point guard. It just doesn't. Uh, it doesn't usually work out that way because if if they're so important to your offense and the other team, like Bill Belichick's it and just takes you out, and you're just like schemes their entire defense around just preventing the point guard from getting things going. It's like with Chris Paul, uh, all his teams never succeeding. It's like if you just get in their head or get get them out of their game. It throws everything off for the entire team. And the team's like, what do we do? Uh, and I look, Russell Westbrook, I think, uh, is brought up some of that in his complaints, you know, his reported complaints about wanting out is that, you know, it's the team is not, uh, if, if they can only score a certain way and then that certain way doesn't work, you're kind of screwed. So, um, I think that uh, I, look, in theory, yes, you would trade Jalen Brown for James Harden. Would I do it? I'd have to see how it all shook out, you know, because there'd probably need to be other things going back and forth. But I just don't see the point. Because, again, like we just said, it's like, why would you break those two guys up if you didn't have to? You know, you have years. You have years. You know, Harden's 30, 31 now. Um, he's still going to be good for a long time. But it just, to me, is like, you got that contract. Jalen Jalen is like Jay Crowder if Jay Crowder were great at offense and defense. You know, if Jay Crowder were better. Like, like we, I used to get made fun of all the time for talking about how valuable – Crowder was in trades. I'm like, it's because he's a starter who makes seven million dollars a year. You know, now you have, you know, it's years later and salary cap has gone up and stuff. But you have a stud in Jalen Brown who's only making twenty. I mean, that's 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 a different degree of the Jay Crowder situation. Where it's like, it's not just the player himself; it's that contract that's so valuable. So you need to be hitting a home run. And maybe James Harden is the home run, but I don't know uh, if I would tinker with something that was so close to going to the championship. You know. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, the best is yet to come. And they've already been on the cusp of the finals twice now. Should have made right. it twice. Right, it's yeah. crazy. They've been to the conference finals twice, both of them. It's crazy. Oh no, is Brown's been three times. Three Brown's times, been three, yeah. yeah. So it's it's really nuts the the level of success they have. Again, it's it's not something that I would uh, I would mess up unless you know for some reason the Celtics think they have to do it because. There's just not a reason right now. Uh, I think that they're good enough to make it to the NBA Finals as is. I think they will tinker and they will 
they will uh, fix their roster a little bit, uh, you know, try to fill in some of the margins. But, you know, other than that, you know, again, people are like, well, you need a big to guard Joel Embiid. I'm like, well, who can guard Joel Embiid? And also, they beat them. They swept them in the first round without a big that can guard Joel Embiid. So, you know, again, there's nobody that can really do those things. You're asking for something that doesn't exist. So maybe just be okay with the extremely affordable Daniel Tice, who is just rock solid and hope you get some growth from Robert Williams and maybe add a player in the draft or in free agency that can be a better version of what Ennis Cantor was. And, you know, you're golden. And now a quick word from our sponsor. I think the draft is their best bet because, you know, I'm pretty sure Tice's uh, contract is up after this season. He's going to make more money. He's probably not going to sign back because he's so, you know, unless he's really loyal or something like that. Not sure about that. He might be. Foreign players tend to be loyal, I think. But, you know, if you you draft a center, they have a year to kind of do the Brad Stevens thing where they hang out and watch and learn and get spot minutes. And then the next year they have a chance to jump. And I feel like with centers, jumps happen like way more often. I always bring up Whiteside where he just kind of came out of nowhere. And I, I feel like that's going to happen with Robert Williams. Could happen again with the center they draft. I mean, Bam but did that too. Bam? Bam. Kind of. Yeah. Again, look, I'm telling you, it's minutes, man. It's minutes. And it's just such a shame because I want to I want to just get out there and say the Celtics don't need to do anything. They have Robert Williams. They have, you know, Daniel Tice will be their starter. And I think the hope last year was that Cantor would be the starter and that Robert Williams would play his way into that role. Uh, and then Tice came to, comes out of nowhere uh, and just has a monster season, which – he had his first year with the Celtics, and he tore up his knee um, yep. and did not have a great second year, uh, but is back to being what he was his first year, which is just an incredibly solid uh, center, which in the NBA, the modern NBA, the 2020 version of the NBA, is really all you need. You know, there are teams, you know, it's like you don't need to go find a Joel Embiid. If you have Joel Embiid, yes, you build your team around it, but you don't need that. Uh you need like a bam. You need a guy that's just solid that uh, can you can run the offense through on occasion, uh, and that can just defend and rebound. Uh, you know, and Tice can't you can't run the offense through him, but uh, he does all those other things, and and he'll shoot some open threes. And uh, and look, I, like I said before, I think you need a little bit of depth, um, but this team is is damn close. Yeah, I I think changing the core makeup of the team. After, I mean, we've seen him do it before. We've seen Danny do it before, obviously, for three conference finals in four years. And one of those teams has one of the same players than the latest one, yeah, which was Jalen Brown. Teams. Three yeah. different teams. It's crazy. It's three different iterations. And that's why when people keep uh, bagging on Brad Stevens, like, oh, he can't get past the conference finals. I'm like, he's had three different teams. Took three essentially incredibly different teams yeah. to the conference finals. So, Maybe give him a second shot with the same team and let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, the the only player that was on all three of those teams was actually Jalen Brown. So like trading him, I mean he he's three for four in conference finals appearances. All I'm saying is James Harden's four for eleven. So uh, obviously not the same thing, but just a <clears throat> fun stat I found. Someone also told me that um, <laughs> Jalen Brown doesn't work hard enough. And that if I could get R.J. Barrett in a first back, I would do it. It's some random Twitter person. Just, I, I thought you'd find Not that. Not a guest you know, on the show, Max. Don't worry. <laughs> no, we don't, no, we no, don't. no, 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 no. Nobody of uh, stature. Well, let me or, just say this. Uh, I remember when they drafted Jalen Brown. I was, uh, I wanted them to draft Jamal Murray because I was worried about Jalen Brown shooting. 
and they uh, and that actually used to be like, look, I'm wrong. I'll admit that I'm wrong. And actually, doesn't look as bad now because Jabal Murray went supernova in the playoffs. But I think before the playoffs, I was an idiot for that take. Now it's less of a dumb take, but still, I was wrong. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> the Celtics, uh, you know, and Danny said after uh, the draft, after they picked him, he said, "Look, we're not worried about his shooting because." You know, we watch these kids since they're in middle school. We he has a good shot. We believe in it. Uh, he had a bad year at Cal. It was a weird situation, bad offense. Um, we we think he'll be fine. And he is objectively a good three point shooter. Objectively, yeah. he's a good three point shooter. Not okay, good. Uh, you know, high thirties every year of his career. So uh, you know, and then that summer, I remember seeing before his rookie season, him working out with Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, running hills in the sand and being like, okay. This is the kind of kid you want. Him not being a worker, that's insane to me. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Because not only is there just evidence of him, like, literally you can watch him work, you know, it, like his rookie, before his rookie season, running hills with psychotic Jimmy Butler, who, you know, will cut you <laughs> if you're on his team if you don't try hard. Uh, and then you see the proof in the pudding. The growth that he takes every single year. I mean, it's again, and I keep it's annoying your your listeners right now. They keep going back to being a Sixers fan here, but like, I'm telling you, man, like watching someone like Ben Simmons refuse to even shoot threes, and then watching Jalen Brown improve every <laughs> single year with his left hand this year, those soft little finishes. Because Jalen, his rookie year, and to an extent his second and third year, it was maddening how like he was so good at getting to the basket, but his touch was just brutal. It was just bouncing balls off the rim and off the backboard. And it just, it's good now. He's got a little floater game, but the soft lefty finishes, I'm like, man, that's like proof of practice right there. That is like such an endorsement for working hard. And to hear that someone said that he's not a hard worker, I mean, yeah. Send, send the yeah. state. If they have kids, they shouldn't be allowed to raise them. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I made sure I found the tweet. Yeah. I called him a moron. I have the book for you. Uh, I'm not. It's, I don't um, endorse slandering people on the. I'm just kidding. I do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love. It. I love it. The, the quote was originally he he came with a. Well, my tweet was something along the lines of the Celtics win and Twitter goes the Celtics team is the best. Seas fan for life. The Celtics lose and people are saying fire Brad Stevens, trade Hayward, blah blah blah. You know, uh, and he goes his response to that was. I'd trade Jalen Brown if he doesn't become obsessed with basketball. If he's obsessed over it, he'd be a top seven or eight player. That conversation went down, and this is the like the reply that just got me to just like pretty much stop responding to him. He said, I'm not saying he isn't good. I'm saying if I could get an R.J. Barrett for him, I'd make the trade. And it's solely because I don't believe the guy is obsessed with basketball. And because of that, he won't reach where I think he can or needs to be. And it's not that he can't play or isn't good. And I was just like, all right, yeah. I, uh, I, I can tell you exactly where that's coming from. That's someone with different political beliefs than Jalen Brown and thinks that he should shut up and dribble. That's what that is. I see that all the time. Yep. I see that in my mentions. I saw that yesterday where people are like, you know, trade Jalen, you know, you know, and his like lefty politics and all. It's like, man, all right, you disagree with him. That's your right. It's a free country. We can all come from different sides of the political aisle, but you cannot use his political stances as proof that he doesn't care about basketball. That has literally been something that has stuck to Jalen. People, there were people that said, is he too smart? Does he love basketball because he plays chess? Chess is not <laughs> basketball. Like, man, look at him on the court. <laughs> incredibly hard worker and a great basketball player and just come back every single year better it boggles my mind i mean look sometimes i chew gum and i walk 
And it's crazy that I can do both. But, you know, these fine-tuned athletes are more than just basketball players. And the fact that Jalen is, like, very out there about being more than a basketball player does not mean that he doesn't love basketball. But, look, you can care about multiple things. Like, I'm on a podcast right now with my cat. I love my cat. (laughs) But I'm also talking on a podcast. And I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of doing both. Petting my cat and also talking on a podcast. I'm not... Does he does he care about the podcast if he's petting his cat? I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Nonsense. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm dying. Uh, that came out as like uh, like back in September, but I always bring it up because it just it makes me laugh. I I tweeted back at him. I'm like, if I work in McDonald's, I don't live in McDonald's 24 hours a day, right? I'm allowed to do other things. Like, oh man, it's so many crazy. I, I stand by that you should have to take a test to tweet about the Celtics. Like you should have to like get like a like an eighty-five. I don't like, know. I don't know. I enjoy some of the dumb tweets though. It makes me feel so much better about myself to see how dumb some people are. Just so. makes us as fans look bad. That's what I don't like. Yeah, but you know what? Again, uh, like I witness a lot of different uh, fan bases from all regions Very of true. the country. They all suck. You know, there's yeah. people that suck in every fan base, and we say, "Oh, it's typical of a blank." fan to do this or a blank fan to do that come on you know the only fan base that's like i think different than any other fan base in any sport is really just the bills because they're next level on (laughs) so many different ways and thank god for them but i just tweeted out today about the dildo i mean who could ever forget that throwing dildos on the field that is that's jumping through tables that is a special thing uh legendary but every other fan base is the same basically there's there's you know, a lot of loud idiots, but generally people that just like watching sports. Oh yeah, I mean, every fan base is crazy, but to be called the mafia, you gotta be you gotta be doing something special, right? Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of NBA, like I, I would say they are all pretty similar, except I don't see anybody Photoshop jerseys like the Miami Heat. Like they're a one. Uh, what are you talking about? The Lakers. To... Sure. The Lakers, Lakers are must have too. like a team of like amateur <laughs> Photoshop people that they just like are like. All right, like we want to stir up some rumors on this guy today. Just do it. Uh, yeah. They did. Uh, uh, the Heat Heat fans photoshopped my my daughters in in Heat jerseys before the playoffs. Did they really? Yeah, it was good. It was really funny uh, <laughs> because they oh, uh, they did one to Deuce, uh, and I was like, "Oh, I told you guys the Heat fans were the worst." Uh, and then they're like, "Don't you know? Don't ask for it, Max." And then they they send a my. <laughs> My uh, banner on Twitter is my two daughters, and they put yeah. it jersey. It was actually quite cute and adorable, but uh, that's as long as it's in good fun, which it's an improvement because the Heat, Heat fans used to be real nasty. Well, that's because they had LeBron, and LeBron people are the worst. It was, so right after LeBron left, I can't even remember what it was, but it was just like I, they, I got into like multiple fights with Heat fans that turned like into, all right, I have to report this account for those disgusting things they said. And you go back, <laughs> and I tried to find some examples uh, before this playoff round to like say this is what we're dealing with every single one of the nasty like comments were all from accounts that have been deleted or suspended or so i think they they purged the uh <laughs> the nastiness out there because i i mean it was a pretty you know enjoyable uh twitter experience during the playoffs i didn't have a ton of nasty encounters with uh with fans from any of the fan bases really i think philly fans were just like our team sucks. We're not going to make it. Uh, and Toronto fans, I don't know. Do they even have Twitter? And Raptors fans pissed me off, apparently. <laughs> Raptors yeah, no, Raptors, so Raptors fans, I've 
the most viewed one of my Celtics uh, weird Celtics hits that I did on post game show on YouTube. Uh, one of the the most viewed one was one where uh, was about the Raptors, and they man they were vicious in the comments, but funny vicious. Like they uh, some guy made fun of me for what I was wearing, and I just said. Uh, you know, thanks for watching. And somebody else replied, Max, don't listen to them. You look great. And I was like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. He's like, just kidding. You're an idiot. And it was like, it was great. I was like, oh, well played, well played. So, but yeah, they're, they're active. Toronto fans are definitely active. But I didn't experience any negativity uh, during the playoffs with them. And, and the Heat fans are fine, too. Like I said, fans yeah. suck everywhere, but most of them are good. I had a really funny interaction with the Raptors fan. I, I don't think I'll be able to find it. But it, it was just something, like, really stupid. And he just he came back and was like your mom or something. And I was like, oh, oh I I, I remember that. Oh, it was, was like... he was complaining about um, <laughs> he was complaining about like the free throws in game one because he I was in on this too. I remember that. And like he was saying like the Raptors weren't getting any calls or something. And Jack like I think I might have went out on. I was like, what are you talking about? Like this is like the free throw situation right here. Like this is like twenty two to twenty four. Like it's the same. And then he was like. Your mom, or something like that. Oh, I love it. Like, I love what? it. What? When in doubt, bring up somebody's mother. Oh yeah. I'd uh, say though, but yeah, the complaining about the refs is—it's universal. You know, I know. Uh, I used to think it was just Celtics fans, and mostly because Tommy, you know, yeah. God rest his soul. But uh, but it's not. It's every fan base thinks that the refs are out to get them. I remember, I literally have to argue with Celtics fans, people I'm friends with, and be like, "What incentive?" Does the NBA have in rigging the game against one of the most storied franchises with the largest fan base on the planet uh, to not have them in the playoffs? Like, do you really think that they'd rather have Canada move on? That hurts their TV ratings. Like, I'm being objective. Like, I'm not trying to make fun of. Like, it's it's bad for the TV audience if you yeah. have a, a team represented uh, by or in Canada. So. They wanted, look, you, if you thought that the NBA wanted anything other than Celtics, Lakers, you're crazy. That right. is just how you, that way better than than Celtics or than Lakers heat. So uh, I think that certain refs are just bad. I think refs are bad in general. And it goes both ways. It really does. And sometimes it really does. And look, there are games where I'm just like, man, it really does feel like the refs have a bone to pick tonight. And I think it's. Sometimes refs just get annoyed at getting chirped at by certain players or they just they're just who who they are. I don't think it's a specific team that they dislike. I think if you watch if you watched games like for refs, like if I said, All right, which game is Tony Brothers refing tonight? I'm gonna watch that one, I think you would see that he sucks in every game, right? It's not just with the Celtics. I'm surprised they don't have like more like accountability as a ref. You know, like if a player goes out there for a whole season and he shoots like twenty five percent Oh, your mic got muted, Sam. I think your controller died. <laughs> Sam? He's got his headphones on, so he can't hear us. Yeah, no. See, he has his mic plugged into his uh, Xbox controller, so he can't hear or, like, speak. Is that what happened? Right? I, I'm, am I good now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> your controller my died? Controller just, I, I'm on my Xbox, <laughs> and my controller loves to just cut out. But I don't know where I cut out, but I was saying, like, yeah, like, you know, if a player shoots 25% for the whole season, they're not going to be on a team the next year. And Tony Brothers has been, like, a bad ref for, like, the longest time. And he's got a job. And he's in the marquee games in the playoffs. There's no accountability for refs. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's, it's again, I, I'm very pro-union. 
uh, in just general in industry, but it's unions, man. It's unions. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to fire any of their own. Uh, they're going to protect even the bad ones like Tony Brothers, especially when you have seniority like that. Yeah. Uh, and but how does he get seniority? That's that's the issue. I think that, man, I just think that they all kind of They suck, get grandfathered right? in. I don't know. Maybe, but yeah, it, it yeah. is uh, the last two minute report also is kind of useless. Like, you see that? I'm like, oh, it just gets people of- mad. I don't like it. I and I, the well, as soon as they admitted that or they came out with that, I, my, this was years ago. I was like, this is about gambling. This is about trying to rinse the uh, Donaghy uh, stain off of the, the game because they're pushing for legalized betting because it's another revenue stream for the NBA and for professional sports. It's like, and when I say revenue stream, I'm revenue river. Like, mo- the the next way that teams can make money is going to be on uh, sports betting, or the way that leagues can make money is on sports betting. So, uh, I think they wanted to have some sort of accountability out there. Look, we're transparent, which is great. I love the theory behind it, but it's just frustrating. It's like, okay, cool. Like, that play that ended up costing this team the game that you admitted was called wrong. You can't go back and change it. So now it's just like, hey, here's the knife. We're going to twist it. So. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I will say, as much as Tony uh, Brothers, Scott Foster, no one, for those of you watching, this guy, the worst. Oh, that guy. The, Evan Scott, I remember writing about it. Like, the one-finger T and all, just <laughs> that that was worse than anything I saw in the playoffs. Like, I, I remember the pure that was rage terrible. when he teed up Kemba twice in the matter of 30 seconds. Kemba, Kemba. The worst is, and everyone will say this, the worst is when refs compound their bad call with a T. So if you make a bad call and a player is rightfully upset and then you tee them up to make it worse, it's just like, that needs to be punishable for you know the refs. And, and maybe they do. They may find guys, but they don't publicize it. And I'm good with that. Uh, you know, But at the end of the day, it's to me, that's the one that really gets me. If you have a call, and look, the ref's not going to make a call that they think is wrong. But if you have a call and you tee up a guy, it's questionable. And the guy's upset. Like, come on. If it's, if it's Tatum throwing his arms up after yeah. a layup like he does pretty much every time and it's finally getting on your nerves, that's one thing. But if it's a guy like Kemba, who is just like – who wins like the professionalism award every single year uh, and you give him a double tech. I mean, twice. If if Kemba is complaining about something, the likelihood of you being wrong is pretty high. Yeah. And I mean, just kind of ignore his complaining. You're not going to change the call, but just don't see him up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember he got leveled by LaMarcus Aldridge, like pushed leveled, like clotheslined. It was, it it was a little bit absurd, but, but yeah. Um, The last thing I kind of wanted to bring up here. I I know Sam and I want to talk about it. Uh, Jerseys are coming out for next season. And uh, 76ers, we know you're a Sixers fan, uh, release their jerseys. Uh, <laughs> see you shaking your head. Thoughts on their jerseys? I mean, it's what, like, so the Sixers did a great thing. They hired Doc Rivers, just the perfect coach for that team. Mm-hmm. I love Doc. I love him. Great pick. They hired Daryl Morey, the perfect GM for that team, with a roster that looks, like, unpenetrable. You cannot do anything to fix that roster unless you have Daryl Morey. Oh, they got Daryl Morey. Great. Uh, and then they just come in with this own goal out of nowhere. It's like own goal, own goal. And then the audacity in the press release to call this is for the new Philadelphia. Get the I'm not going to swear, but it, it, again, it's a crappy jersey. I don't really care. 
uh, about the stupid fourth or fifth jersey, but you teased us with the throwbacks. You had Iverson in all black, and you kept teasing us with these, you know, making it seem like you're going to go back to the black jerseys from the Iverson era, which, again, none of us really liked. The jerseys that they have now are great, but as a throwback fourth jersey, I was really excited to see Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid in those uniforms for one season as like an alternate. And then you come out with a boathouse row. Look, it's an iconic part of Philadelphia, sure. But it's boathouses where they do like rowing, where like Ivy League's rowers show up. It doesn't exactly <laughs> exemplify the city of Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's fine. But then like to double down to this is for the new Philadelphia. It's just, you, you could have just come out with it without teasing that it was going to be the Iverson one. I mean, goodness gracious, it's ugly. Oh, it's awful. But again, that's what these jerseys are. These, these alternates that come out with most of them, especially this year, are terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, like there's so many, like New Orleans? Gross. Uh, <laughs> Which one is that? I, don't, I didn't it's, it's see gonna, that. It's like the little saint symbol. Three of them, that's it. And, and that's it. Yeah, like nothing else. Like they had some pretty good ones last year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what, Phoenixes? Oh my goodness. Phoenix is like, <laughs> Remember when Utah had those like, like gray, orange, yellow ones? Like yeah, yeah. a couple years ago, they like took that idea, but like instead of gradient, they're like, let's make it look like a crappy Photoshop, all pixelated, and it's just <laughs> really bad. It looks like uh, Minecraft, like all blocky and stuff. It's just and it like, that's the only ones I can think of the top of my head. I mean, there's like maybe two or three that are actually. Oh my good. god, that New Orleans one is terrible. Yeah, yeah, there's some really bad ones. But again, that's what these are for. They're just, they're, look, I like shooting your shot, but the way that the Sixers handled it was what was really annoying. It just shows you how awful that ownership group is and the head of that uh, front office above Daryl Morey and those guys. It's just like, <laughs> these guys, they give themselves credit for like the increase in season tickets. It's like, oh, do you think maybe it was the Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons drafting that maybe had something to do with that? having two young stars that are exciting and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. It's your marketing team that did great for those season tickets. Get out of here. Have some of these jerseys are terrible. I'm Boston, looking at all of them. Oh, they're the Celtics, terrible. really see that contrast between what a good organization does. Look, the Celtics, I was not a big fan of their uh, whatever edition jerseys were last year with the, uh, yeah. the, the yeah. Celtic writing, whatever that was. wasn't a huge fan, but whatever. Uh, they didn't come out and try to like defend it and lash out at the fans for not liking it mm-hmm. i mean come on i and the celtics are one of the teams where it's there's not a ton you can do that's not really outrageous other than change the colors i think the ones that they had a couple years ago that had the uh the the green with the uh the yellow the, it was the yellow but like the yellow piping around the, the white uh, yeah. Lettering. yeah and then they did the reverse of those where it was white with the yeah. green mm-hmm. lettering with the yellow pipe to me those were perfect those are those good jerseys were, the earned, yeah, the earned ones that they had that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the ones that they used to do on St. Patty's Day. Those are my favorite. Gold, yeah. Those were, um, they were gold, right? They had the gold yep. letters. Those to me are like some of the best alternates you can have. I don't love the black ones, but I don't hate them either. Um, I was not a fan of the parquet pride ones, the gray ones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. The, Anything I, gray is just bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's ways gray. you can do it. If it was just like their green jerseys, but instead of green, it was gray, uh, it, it might be fine. Uh, but the, they were short sleeve and the, the the parquet pattern and something like 
it's a floor, guys. We're talking about a floor. <laughs> You're honoring the surface that you walk on. <laughs> like, I don't have my rug respect jersey, you know, like, come on. <laughs> but no, yeah. do you, do you sure think there's any, any right? good ideas for this year? They haven't released theirs yet. Anything you want to see? There was something floating around, like it was just like, uh, and I don't know if this is real or not. It was just white with like Boston Celtics both on it, uh, and very plain and boring, like the rafters. Yeah, it was supposed to look like the rafters. I don't know if that's real. If it is, I don't like it, but it's not like it's not terrible. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, uh, you know, nobody's going to be happy about anything. Uh, I think I've seen some people suggesting like go out and you know lean into their old logo like the weird looking leprechaun guy that looks like he's dancing um you know do something like a throwback like that that would be cool because again the Celtics have such plain classic jerseys it's really hard to do anything like crazy kind of like the Bruins you know the the well the Bruins tried it with the uh Winnie the Pooh jerseys back in the early 2000s guys you guys probably weren't even born by then those were panned nationally people made fun of those uh, and then the Islanders had their seafood shanty guys. Yeah, hockey's had some pretty bad ones. But, uh, you know, the Bruins have a pretty classic logo. So they even when they upgrade, you know, it's like, oh, we added, like, the B is a slightly different font. And it was like, whoa, it's so different. Um, yeah. But there's certain things, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, yeah. I think it's smart what the NBA does with these jerseys. It really, it's they stole an idea from uh, the Premier League where they change jerseys every single year. And it's so smart because yeah. – you're just selling jerseys. You're selling new jerseys. And I don't think teams would be happy if like the regular jerseys changed every year in the NBA, but having like fun alternates that some years are going to be awful. Like the, uh, the Mavs ones last year that were actually pretty cool, but then they had that weird font. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, but like, again, like it's close. You guys got close. And the, uh, the Brooklyn ones where they're the, uh, the biggie, uh, the biggie smalls, like, uh, pattern. Yeah. What it's called, like the sweater pattern there. That was a pretty cool, cool idea. The heat hit. The heat hit big time with those oh, vice. The Miami Vice ones are incredible. Like, oh, and that's that when we were talking before about those guys photoshopping uh my daughters in the heat jerseys. I I replied, I was like, How dare you photoshop my daughters in a heat jersey that's not the vice <laughs> the vice knights jersey or whatever it was. Because come on, those ones are fresh. Uh mm-hmm. but the ones that they have this year are yeah, they're weird. Like they're a gradient. Oh, I didn't see it. I, didn't I, see I just it. saw it in that that uh, I had like all of them in front of me because I wanted to see what you guys were talking about. And those ones, I don't know. That's another thing. It's not broke. Don't fix it. Like nobody has a problem with that, so just keep it. I but I wonder if they have to make different ones or if that's like look, we're just, we're just trying to sell more jerseys. But I just think look, yes. have a new one, but also keep the ones that are really good that hit. You know, yeah. like the uh, I think the Nuggets had some ones that were pretty cool that were all yellow. A couple years ago, that they it was just only one year and they're gone. Um, so yeah, it's simple things like jerseys. But like going back to the Sixers thing, again, I don't really care. It's just a, like a fourth jersey. It does not matter. It's just the way that the team reacts uh, to the criticism that just tells you all you need to know about that organization. You won't find that in the Celtics. The Celtics won't push back. They're too professional, and they don't screw up as much. So they have less to push back on. And I tell you one thing about this past week that was really awesome to see, you know, with the passing of Tommy was the um, just the amount of Celtics available. I mean, it's hard to get uh, any professional athletes or, you know, people from front offices on your shows. But, man, 
it felt like they, they weren't, but like they, no one said no, no one said no. And it was such a class move by the organization to come on and just talk and talk and talk and talk. Anybody was available. And it was such a great tribute to Tommy. And I just, I respect the hell out of the organization. And, you know, some of the Sixers pods I listened to, they, even they respect the Sixers or, or the uh, Celtics organization. Uh, you know, even like a heated rival like that can just acknowledge how classy the Boston Celtics organization is. And you know what? It's another thing that I think, you know, unless you have experience outside of the, the Boston Celtics bubble, you don't realize how respected, you know, you know, the team may be hated because they're good, but, um, you know, it, they're, the organization is, is respected worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Celtics. Do, Celtics do you think Stewart, they right? could, uh, sorry to like backtrack, but you mentioned Tommy. <laughs> you think they could do like some kind of jersey to honor Tommy other than just a patch? Like me and Jack, we talked a little bit about this before the show. They maybe like have a Tommy points jersey that says like, like the way I would picture it is Tommy and then points and the numbers in the middle. I think Something like that. It would probably be a little too late in, this, in the game here with the season coming up so fast and something like that. But uh, I think for sure they'll have 15s on their uh, yeah. on their uh, shoulder shoulders this mm-hmm. year. And I think that one way to do it would be to just uh, and I hope they do this anyway to go back to uh, some of the Tommy era jerseys where you get it's the green uh, and the the Celtics is much bigger. Um, oh yeah, yeah, tiny. different font. They were they were like shiny like remember those uh, those Nuggets jerseys those teal but shiny uh, Nuggets jerseys like from the late two thousands uh, yes shiny, yeah, yeah yeah green shiny because that's how some of them at least looks like in the black and white pictures that we see uh, yeah can, there are some color ones where it was just it was the regular green the font was a little bit bigger um, but it was shiny I mean it would probably get made fun of a lot but it would be just a throwback you know to the Tommy era. Uh, and that would be real cool. Uh, it'd be interesting to see with normal size shorts too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, bring bring back the short shorts, man. I, I saw. I'm pretty sure Jalen rocked them a few times, but uh, I, I think, I think they they're fun. It's, the mobility's not great. No. You know, like, <laughs> like that was Jalen's thing in rookie year. Was like I got the flat top and really short shorts, but then it's like, eh, is it hindering your running? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the only uh, jerseys I like this year, before we start to wrap up, the Spurs ones, I think are pretty cool. I like the colors. Yeah. Um, that's it. I, I don't think any, like the Nets ones are just, like, are those real? Like, I saw them, I thought they were fake, but uh, just, uh, I don't they're hate real. I don't, I don't hate them. I, I, re- I respect, like, kind of outlandish ones. Like, those ones are throwbacks to the early 90s, but also a little, like, I think they're, are they gradient as well? They're um, like, uh, like, like a... I don't even know how to describe it. Like when you look at a pool and you see like the like the wave pattern, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Yeah. It, oh, it's a little bit like the acid wash jeans a little bit. So yeah, it's a little gross. But at the end of the day, I, I, I like outlandish. Uh, if you're going to lean into the weirdness of it, I'm good with that. That's why some people were suggesting the Celtics do some weird Celtics Twitter kind of uh, version of a jersey. And that would be, honestly, no one would complain about that. It'd be pretty cool to see some some weirdness on it. I don't know how you tie dye. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite one is the uh, a massive fan base where only like 1% of them know what weird Celtics Twitter is, but uh, I think it would be great. I would love it. It'd be yeah. funny. Uh, what were you saying, Sam? It reminds me of the, uh, the what? What is it? It's like the big, uh, what, like the big cylinder and it's like the rainbow. Oh, the water tank to the city, the water tank. Yeah. 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 With the, the I've five seen colors. That. Yeah. I've seen that yeah. as a Jersey. That'd be weird though. I don't even know the exact name of that, but I know I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Yeah. Uh, it's but just yeah. the whole white. They have like the five colors like going down like <laughs> jets. Yeah, no, that, that'd be funny. I, I think, like you keep saying, Max, no matter what happens, some, everyone's going to complain, but uh, uh, I'll still end up buying We're too much anyways. traditionalist oh, as exactly. fans. Yeah. I am, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, sure. That's why you go with something simple, like you just alternate color, like mm-hmm. just slightly different, like with the black, adding the black jersey. Um, although I did like the, um, the, in the Pierce era where they had the black, uh, the, the green jersey with the black numbers. I thought that was Jack. Cool. Jack was the Jack likes those too. Yeah, I brought those up. Those are cool. I think those and the ones you mentioned, the green jerseys with the the gold numbers, but the plain font. Yeah. Like th- those would both be pretty cool to see back. Uh, just don't bring the the t shirt jerseys back. It's just, it's just a no. Yeah, I think they're maybe gone. Yeah, yeah they was playing with that idea, and I don't do anything for no, no. anymore. I think Cavs were the last ones back in what like when they won. Yeah, those black the black jerseys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to check the Warriors if they like have some, or I don't know if they do anymore. Like, yeah, they did. They did though. It, it was just it's just weird, like a weird experiment. But uh, yeah, anyways, unless there's something Sam or Max if that you wanted to bring I'm up good. that we forgot about, uh, I think it's a good place to wrap it up. Is there anything you wanted to say, Max, before we wrap up here? Tell people where you are on Twitter, but I assume at this point everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, Max underscore Letterman L E D E R M A N. Uh, just look uh, look me up if you want. I love talking to people. I don't care uh, who you are, what you have to say. Uh, you should respond to everyone just because I like talking. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's uh, look forward to the season. Uh, tune in to NBC Sports Boston. We've got some draft coverage coming up on Wednesday. The, the thing that I prepare for most every year, and I love it, love, love, love mm-hmm. it. I do 80% or maybe even 90% of the work I do never gets on TV. But you have to do it because especially when they have three picks – we're going to make 50 player cards and 50 uh, video rips and 50 little stats and things and mm-hmm. have all these graphics ready to go that won't get used, but we'll be ready. We'll be ready for whoever they pick. We had Gershon Yabuselli. We had him ready to go. We had Anthony Zizic ready to go in 2016 when they picked them, which was one of like the proudest moments for me professionally. It was like, <laughs> I can't believe we had the random people that he reached on. Uh, so we'll be ready to go. Uh, so tune in if you if you uh, like watching the draft. We'll be talking mm-hmm. about all the picks um, as they come in, but with obviously Celtics focus. So mm-hmm. uh, big cast of characters. We'll have pretty sure we'll. Have, I don't know if we'll have Chris Mannix. We definitely won't have KOC. We had him on our draft preview, but we'll have Kendrick Perkins, uh, Brian Scalabrine, and Kyle Draper, and Chris Forsberg. Maybe some Robbie buckets. We'll see. So uh, tune in. Yeah, uh, I'm saying Desmond Bain. I'm saying that's the pick. That's my prediction. But uh, uh, be ready for when they take Jay Scrub out of community college. You know, just in just in yeah. case. Uh, I, another guy, Cole Anthony. I like too. I, I like think, Cole. Uh, he fits a bit of a need there too. Uh, I don't know. Like we were saying with Carson Edwards, if guys like that can come in and fit that role right away. But mm-hmm. I certainly think uh, he seems like a guy that, like a Jalen type, where he comes in with all this promise into his college one college year. Weird team setup. You know bad shooting numbers but i think that the proof is in you know the previous years of work i think he's mm-hmm. going to be a guy that falls and everyone looks back like wait why didn't we just look at all the tape instead of just one weird year of college so he's a guy that i think especially because he's got the gene as well uh he could he could be a guy that um if they keep the pick or keep one of their uh you know the 26 or something i don't know if he would fall that far yeah but uh, i think that he's a guy to keep an eye on as well no yeah cole's definitely great could probably uh be what people expected Carson to be not that Carson can't be that guy but scorer off the bench uh yeah uh thank you Max for coming on the show I really appreciate it uh, yes, make sure to follow you. him Max underscore Letterman you guys can follow us at Bannertown USA and uh Sam I'll let you wrap it up here 
yeah, follow everyone. Follow Max. Follow Jack. Follow Bannertown. Follow me. Uh, that's our show for today. Bye. <laughs>